Welcome to the show where we interview our network of B2B SaaS experts. In this episode, Russell McCarthy, founder at Deliver Insight, on making better informed business decisions through the efficiency of attribution data. This is the Notion Capital Podcast, hosted by Paul Papadimitriou. Hi, and today I have Russell with me. Hi, Russell. Hi, how are you? Good, very good, thank you. So, tell us, who are you? So, my name's Russell McCarthy, and I'm CEO of Deliver Insight. Uh, Deliver Insight's an attribution software company, and by attribution, we give insight into brands on how users interact with them over many different touch points. There's a lot of different types of attribution, and, and we're going to cover a lot of them off in this uh, this chat today. Before we go there, can you tell us a little bit about your background, where you come from, and why did you end up doing attribution? Yeah, so uh, many years ago now, I started off as a, a data analyst, and a big part of that was trying to work for businesses and give them more information about the way that customers were interacting with their websites or the call center, and to drive sales or increase revenue, etc. As I continued through my career, I actually got to know the channels themselves and how to manage those channels. And the crossover of data and channel management meant that I started to get a picture that users weren't just coming to the website for a single visit and then purchasing. They were interacting with that brand through different channels over their entire life cycle prior to a sale. And I researched and got an understanding of the methodology of understanding that. And that's effectively where attribution comes in and the understanding of the attribution of value, revenue, cost, etc. across a, a broad range of different channels. First, you were doing mostly consultancy, is that correct? Yes. So um, I spent a significant part of my past consulting for large corporations on data-driven marketing, so not just attribution. But over the last sort of four or five years, I've honed that down to focus specifically on, on attribution and multi-channel marketing, because I feel that that's where a lot of businesses, one, they struggle to understand that because a lot of businesses are typically siloed. By that, I mean that each team or each person in the business that looks after, say, PPC or email, they don't really talk to each other. Or if they do talk to each other, they don't necessarily have a good understanding about how the channels that they manage or their agencies manage actually interact with each other from a consumer perspective. And giving them a data-driven understanding of that helps them make better decisions. Do you think it also helps them breaking down some silos? Exactly. So I think a lot of businesses try to do that. And it's something that I think a lot of people say that they have actively pursued as a business. It's very difficult to do because it's not just about buying a new piece of technology or changing the way a meeting runs. It's a very large psychological shift into the way that the business understands its own performance. And a lot of the time it comes down to actually someone very senior saying, we're not going to use the old KPIs we had. We're actually going to think of our business in a different way. And the way that we talk to customers, the way that we put our marketing out, our creative, the way we manage our teams internally, the way we compensate our sales guys, all of those elements have to align for even two digital channels to not be acting in silo in a 100% efficiency model. However, there are ways that individual channels can work with each other to start breaking down those silos. Common ones are PPC and 
SEO working well together, SEO and display, where you can use similar creative display to a lot of the offline channels where you can keep a brand story on and offline. And if you look at someone like John Lewis, who whenever they do a Christmas campaign, it's not just the TV advert that a lot of people see. They put a lot of creative out across display. They change their landing pages for both PPC and for affiliates, etc. There's a lot of work that goes into that to continue not just the digital experience, but the on and offline experience. So when a consumer starts to engage with them, whether it's the 100th time they've done it or the first time, they know that they're interacting with the same brand and they get the same type of communication from them. A lot of these campaigns are actually driven by agencies. So do you also work directly with agencies? or do you try to integrate what agencies are doing with businesses and brands more close together? Yeah, a lot of agencies, especially the display-based agencies, have historically had poor levels of understanding of the performance of their media. I don't mean that to disenfranchise any of the agencies themselves. It's actually more the technology hasn't been there or it hasn't been considered useful historically. And I think that's where we're working with a lot of agencies at the moment, especially from a technology side. So we work with a a number of the display partners that agencies themselves use to actually say how valuable is the infantry and the media that they're buying in the the concept of an attributed environment. And then when we work with agencies directly, we typically go via the client themselves, or if the agency is the one that's brought us in, it's actually trying to get back in with the client to tell them this isn't just a singular channel. The reason why this agency is, is brought in an attribution model is to show the value of that channel outside of its silo that it sees. So we work with an agency that does purely PPC, but they wanted to show to the client the activity that they're doing is actually driving incremental value outside of that channel, not just driving incremental value in the growth of that singular channel. But that's often the, the limitation with agencies is that they do campaigns and then sometimes they stop or so they don't have this kind of a full overview of the customer. Because if I understand your product uh, well, it also means that you can suddenly surface the actual entire journey of the customer with a brand. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. So we can see all the different times that a customer has visited a website called a call center, So what we have is a methodology that breaks down every type of consumer engagement into four categories. So we have events, and these are specific things that happen that has a complete two-way communication. So if someone was to purchase a product from a a retailer online, we have a two-way relationship there. We've given them product information, a price, that person has then purchased that product, and that's a classified event. But it can also be things like signing up for a newsletter. So someone has input their email address, and we then end up with an email address that we can then use for for email marketing. So they're classified as events. The next level up, we have interactions. And interactions are still a two-way conversation, but it's actually more from a consumer side. So it's someone coming to the website. So we've put a website online. But they've come to the website and they're interacting with that website itself. It could also be a call into a call center because we know that that person has called us and we're providing that phone number. We've put in a position where we know it's that person and they've called us as a business. And that allows us to then stitch someone who's called the call center to someone who's visited our website or someone who's in our CRM system. The next level up is impressions. So within display activity specifically, we are providing creative, but we are never sure if someone actually has 
fully taken in the value of that creative that we wanted them to. However, we do know that they've seen that advert. So we can understand that potentially this has had impact on them, but it might not have. And the level above that is reach activity. And this is typically stuff like television and print where there is a potential for that person to have seen the advertising because they're in the target region for television or they're in the right zone from a print perspective. So they live in London or they live on one of the train lines that comes out of London. And therefore, if we advertise in the metro, there is a probability that they have seen that advert. That is a reach activity that we can understand and then start to attribute some value to. And that's the sort of the breakdown of each one of those. I gather that in a certain way, you have to be some type of consultant for these brands you work with because, I mean, it's one thing to have, and I'm sure it's a great thing to have all the data provided by the software, but you have also to understand that. So do you provide as well additional services and kind of help these companies understand what they're actually looking at? Yeah, exactly. So our product breaks down into three sections. So we have the data warehouse element that is the bit that captures all the data from a multitude of different sources. So we have API tie-in with the entire Google stack, so Google AdWords, Analytics, double click etc we've got the same with the adobe stack and then we pull in data from things like salesforce or phone tracking software and all of that goes into the data warehouse and then we process all that data and the attribution algorithm sits on top of that now that itself we cost to clients based on the amount of activity that goes on there the amount of data we have to process The second part of the structure is the tool set that we've created that sits on top of that. And that tool set effectively gives tangible answers to business questions that we know people are asking. The, the hope is that people don't actually have to need the consultancy part because we're providing them with questions they should be asking the business or framing it in the correct way. And then the final section is the consultancy, as you said, and we provide that service to a number of clients where They just need an extra hand in understanding the data or they want us to come in on a, a monthly basis, on a quarterly basis to report back to them on key insights, but also significant things that they should go and change or test from an attributed point of view. They can start to see a bigger impact outside of a single channel. When we think attribution, we traditionally think B2C. So do you think there's a bridge? Do you think at some point B2B companies will have to think more like B2C and think about the customers in, in that way? Yes, very much so. And I think with B2B, there is a very different approach from a small SaaS B2B to a large service provider B2B. So we work with an agency that does purely large B2B activity already. And a lot of the things that we try to work with them on is to better understand savings within their sales staff because they spend a lot of money and, and we're talking seven figures a year on sales staff, specifically their, their benefits. And a big part of understanding the attribution there is could we have saved salesman's time in better framing a question, et cetera, for those guys? There's actually value from a large-scale B2B relationship already in the market. What we're seeing is a bit of growth in the smaller SaaS business space, 
where those type of businesses want to better understand where the point in that relationship should they be pushing the sale versus educating. Because a lot of SaaS businesses are revolutionizing the space that they're going into. And what we're starting to see is that it takes quite a bit of education within that area to say, why are they different? What kind of brand are they? Are they the kind of brand that another business would like to associate with? And then once they've passed a certain barrier, then it's selling products. What is the efficiencies that this product will bring, etc.? And we start to see the way that messaging changes that has a very similar correlation to the B2C market. Because in the B2C market, we have sort of four key sections that people look at. And this is stuff that we've broken down within Deliver Insight. So we've got brand awareness, brand affinity, and engagement propensity, product awareness, and then product affinity and engagement propensity. Now, if I explain what the awareness elements mean there, so the brand awareness and the product awareness, effectively, this is display activity or content that's to invoke an emotional response in someone. So it's that's where you see the likes of John Lewis at the moment, where a lot of their creative is not actually about product. It's about awareness of the brand and saying, look, remember to come in, use John Lewis at Christmas, but their messaging is invoking emotion. It's not actually about driving the next value purchase or to drive you straight to their website. It's actually just something that goes, oh, I should be using John Lewis because I remember them. I like them. I like what they think and how they talk about things. The second part through the affinity and engagement propensity, that activity we see, if you were to compare the activity you see in, in John Lewis to someone like Argos, for example, where Argos, from a brand perspective, they know their target audience and their audience knows what they do as a company. So what we see from their adverts are product, product, product. It's trying to get you to go into the store or to go onto their website and actually buy certain products or at least think, oh, they do something along the lines of what I actually want to go and buy. So what they're doing there is driving a preference in consumer behavior. So they're saying, we want you to come to us over someone else because of product. I guess when you work with SaaS companies, the ones you mentioned, I guess they are particularly attracted to that self-service type of product. Since they're revolutionizing themselves, their verticals or their industries, rendering a lot of the old ways defunct and creating these self-services. So basically, I'm sure they would also like to use self-service for attribution work as well. Is that what's something you're seeing? Yeah, I think a lot of the people that are involved in those companies are the pure play entrepreneurs. So they've learned their craft themselves working somewhere else typically, and then have taken their learnings and then turned that into a business that's growing. And they're constantly learning themselves, not just in what they do, but where they want their companies to go. And so we see a lot of these businesses self-serving themselves but also trying to find how they can get more value out of the data that they know that they can collect and they know that a product can actually utilize to add more value for them without them having to fully appreciate all the complexities that sit behind the product itself. 
The one thing that happens more often than not, and I see that working with early stage and later stage companies, is misunderstanding of KPI sometimes. Is you know, you seem to be on the right KPI, but you're not measuring it correctly. Is this something either through your tool or through your consulting work, especially with startups? Is this something you also help them understand the right KPIs for the right stage and the right moment? Yeah, so the understanding of a KPI is probably one of the biggest misnomers and also the things that people get wrong across the board. And this goes not just from startups. This is I've seen this all the way through to FTSE 100 companies where what they're actually recording is not indicative of what they then go and do when they find out the answer to the whatever question they're asking. So what I typically try to get people to do is say, if I came into this meeting and it's a, a Monday morning meeting and you're sitting there and you go, if I was to tell you the best news you could possibly get based on the numbers that you think you have available to you, what would you leave this room to go and do? And most of the time, it's, well, that's telling me that I've grown my business 400% in sales. And I'm like, so what are you going to go and do? And they're like, that's a very good point. Probably go down to the pub. And you're like, yeah, but that's not actually what you go and do. What you'd go and do is then probably try to find out what was going on that worked so well and go do more of it. And that's all well and good. And then we turn the conversation around and you say, if I was to tell you that instead of 4,000% growth, you actually only got 10% of what you were doing, how would you go about that? And they'd go, well, what we're going to do is we'd probably go and analyze the data again and find out what didn't work. And I was like, that's all well and good. But what you're actually doing is worrying so much about the past that they're not actually able to see a trend over time, or they're not actually able to affect what they're going to do that day. If they just spend so much time analyzing what happened last week or last month, they don't actually make many changes that could affect what's happening next week and next month. So the key thing with KPIs are setting things that you can see trends over time, and also you fully understand what the action is that would follow an adjustment in that KPI. So something that we monitor with a number of clients is the cost of acquisition of a quality customer. And that's very precise. And the reason for that is we know what a quality customer looks like from a business perspective. So for one of the insurance companies, it's a particular type of customer that takes out a certain policy, has a very high probability of being a three plus year insurance client. So when we are trying to acquire more of those, we fully understand all the activity it takes to initially acquire a customer like that. And then all the activity it takes to maintain that three plus year relationship. What is the total cost of every single interaction there, whether that's an email, whether that's a bit of display creative that needs to be made, whether that's the PPC click, whether that's the TV advert that has some influence on that person keeping within that particular brand. So it's understanding the cost of all of that activity. And if we monitor that across the channels over time and see it go up and down based on what we're doing, we can then say, okay, this kind of stuff we're doing is impacting positively. This kind of stuff is impacting negatively across all the interaction points. 
So that creative that we've just created for display is having a negative impact on the emails that we're doing or the PPC activity that we haven't changed. So it's the ability to tweak things and test and learn that gives a lot more value to businesses to give them a better understanding of what they're doing and how much impact it has on the wider business. I would guess that the other bit, which is maybe not as damning as a misunderstanding the KPIs, is also the accuracy of measuring those KPIs. Yeah, so a lot of the time, data integrity is one of the things that is most commonly fixed by agencies, but it's also the thing that agencies probably do the worst. The amount of times that that as a new agency you come into or a new consultant and you come into somewhere and they're like, yes, we need all the data and we need to process it and we need to have these KPIs or we've got these KPIs. This is how we understand performance. And you go and look at it and their sales are double counting. So their revenue is actually double what they think it is because their sales are double the number. What their perception of what a KPI is, is wrong before you even start. And so what we end up with is is this situation where you have to completely change the mindset of the business to say, look, this is the number of sales in your head you think is a good day, but we actually need to change that perception and say, look, we need to make sure that your data is captured correctly. This is the new value of a sale. This is how many you typically get on a daily basis. When we see this go up, this is a good thing. But what we actually want to understand are the three KPIs that drive that sales number. Typically, within businesses, there's a lot of KPIs that are used for the senior people in the business to give them a bit of an ego. I've worked with clients who literally would buy billboard advertising at the tube station outside their main office purely because if they didn't, someone would come into the marketing department and moan that we didn't have enough advertising on, even though everyone who went to that tube station pretty much worked for this company. So they know about the brand. We don't need to do advertising at that tube station. But there's a lot of ego that goes around with KPIs. So I think a lot of the time for the teams that actually go and make the difference, they go and make the changes, they adjust, they do the testing, they they create the creative. We need to make sure that the data that's captured and the KPIs are not just accurate, but are the correct KPIs for people to be monitoring. So if I understand in a certain way, I know it will, it will sound presumptuous, maybe, but I say it, you don't. You go to companies and through your tool, you say, this is what you should be doing. This is what you should be looking at. This is how you should be looking at the customer and its lifetime value. Yeah, and a lot of the companies that we initially engage with, a lot of this comes out before we even get to the spec process. If they aren't monitoring the KPIs that we would suggest, we discuss that prior to even doing the spec. But typically, the companies that we're working with today, for example, they're the ones who are the more forward thinking. So they're the ones who want to better understand the media in an attribution environment. They understand that there is a cost implication to having that understanding, and you aren't going to get that level of complexity for free. Even Google charges for it, and they've got their free analytics package. And to do attribution properly, they charge quite a bit of money. So there is an understanding in the market that this level of detail and analysis is not for free. A lot of the companies that we initially engage with, they already have a perception that they want to learn more. So they're up for understanding better what they should be doing. And they also typically have already gone through a number of iterations of data integrity analysis. They've already gone through a number of different audits. They have 
a internal team or person who looks at the data and insight for the business and they want that person to have a broader information set to base that on and that's the reason why we work with them i see that changing over time i see that the more i talk at conferences and the more i speak in interviews like this a lot more people will not only get more excited about the understanding of attribution but it's the next logical step for people who have analytics who then start to question the validity of the last click and the value of a last click and within display the value of a post view impression which just from a glossary point of view is if you see an impression of a display advertising if someone at some point within a say 30 day period makes a sale on the website that that advert is for, that sale has been given the value fully from that piece of creative. So the fact that you would have banner ads on every single website in the world, that would mean that every sale on your website potentially could have value. And things like that where there's a lot of fake data out there that is being used to benefit people who should probably know better, but also they actually have data sets on their fingertips where if you were just to run an attribution model over that information, it would give you a value that is the truth in the data rather than what you kind of want to read out of it. Well, it seems there's a lot of education still to make the market, which also means you have a very big market in front of you. So may, (laughs) may you voice be heard. That's a very interesting thing. So that's why I try to talk at a number of conferences. I haven't actually spoken about anything other than attribution for a number of years now. And whilst I still get invited back, I obviously am entertaining at least one person in the room, even if it's the person who runs the conference. (laughs) So (laughs) I, I think there's a lot to be said to try to give the market a better explanation of what's going on and what's possible. And it's exciting that that people such as Google and eBay have already got into the marketplace and are starting to produce some great products. What's really exciting for me is that I have changed the way that I wanted to work with an attribution model. When I joined up with the guys and, and we created Deliver Insight, they fully trusted my beliefs on what we should be doing to give businesses a better understanding, which is quite different to the other companies out there who they typically focus a lot on media because there's a lot of money in media um, and it's changed the way that people understand what attribution is by being different to the people who are also educating the market as well. Wow, (laughs) that's a big undertaking. Again, I repeat, I think, I hope your voice is being heard more and more because I think data-driven decisions should be overtaking all the vanity things we see more often than not these days. On that, uh, Russell, thank you very much. I appreciated your time today. You're very welcome. Thank you for your time as well. <laughs> How can people reach you if they want to reach you? So if you get me at uh, russell at deliverinsight.co.uk or at the Rusty Bear on Twitter. <laughs> That's a perfect nickname <laughs> and perfect ending for that podcast. Thank you so much, Russell. Thank see you. you. Bye. Bye.